Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new edition of Ariel Meets, and dare I say, my most anticipated episode yet, because we are sitting here with a very special guest. Right now, I would say arguably, in many people's eyes, not in mine, it is definitively the most entertaining wrestler in the world today sitting in front of us, the one and only, the Usi one, Sami Zayn, the pride of Montreal as well. How are you, sir? Yeah, go. Better now after that warm introduction. I appreciate that. All Thank very you. genuine. You made, you made sure to mention that you were not one of the people who felt this way, which I think is a little no, strange, but that's I, all right. No, here's the thing. I said <laughs> it's arguable for some people. It's definitive Oh, it's definitive for, for you. Okay. It's not even an argument you know, anymore. Some people might think he's pretty good. I personally don't. No. But I, wow. <laughs> that's kind of how I, I misunderstood. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, Totally kidding around. No, it no, is no. true, and yeah. I've said this publicly, that yeah. I think that you are at the top of your game, doing incredible things. So this is very exciting yeah, for me. I yeah, really appreciate yeah. you joining us. Uh, it is a Royal Rumble weekend here in San Antonio. There's a lot going on. But if we would have spoke, you know, maybe uh, last year, St. Louis, Royal Rumble, and we're like, okay, like, what's the next year look like for Sami Zayn? Could you have ever, you know, you were involved with Johnny oh, Knoxville. that's right. I was trying, that's what I was doing, the math. What was I doing at the Rumble last year? I mean, you lasted in the yeah. match for a little over three minutes. Um, mm. you, you didn't have like a big role. You had the Johnny Knoxville thing that was brewing. But could you have imagined that the arc would, you know, come to this territory where you are, you know, one of the most talked about, entertaining, popular guys in the business today? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I know. I don't want to come off uh, conceited or anything like that. However, I did. We already at this time uh, last year, the idea was already in my head. Now, did I ever think it would actually happen? No, for a lot of this stuff. I mean, like this whole thing of like, you know, because uh, I've said this in other interviews, but there was initially an idea, because at the time I was calling myself the locker room leader. Roman Reigns is obviously the head of the table. And actually, coincidentally, it was an interview with Roman that he did with you that kind of spawned it all off because you had asked him, is there anyone you would particularly want to work with? And he mentioned my name, which I, you know, I took as a huge compliment. Um, so one time we were talking, I was like, man, I had this idea, like, it'd be so fun to do some on-screen stuff. Some of, some of it was his idea too, of like where it could go. But basically it wasn't to be like a full-fledged member of the bloodline or anything like that, but it was, it would be very cool if we had this periodic relationship where, you know, just checking in, how's yeah. it going? <laughs> hey, things are going cool, you know, and just to be able to show his character, a new side of his character, to show some range. And obviously it doesn't hurt me to rub up with Roman Reigns on TV. Right. So um, that was sort of the like inception. Where I thought it could go is eventually, you know, you get close and whatever, and then you, whatever, and it could all lead to like a, uh, a turn. What a way that would be to turn or whatever. So I kind of had this idea of how it could go. I just didn't think it would actually happen. In fact, even when the bloodline stuff started, um, about two months in, I was like, okay, I don't think this is going anywhere. I think maybe it's time to just, you know, go in a different direction. But then, um, God, it must've been even three months. And then what happened is finally the stars kind of aligned because me and Roman were kept away from each other for the first few months. I think by design, I can't say for sure, but I think. And then finally, um, Montreal, SmackDown, Jey Uso's not there, Jimmy Uso's not there, Heyman's not there. Stars just kind of align. Hey, we're finally on screen together and there's some good chemistry. And the crowd there obviously loves me, so they, that heightened everything. And that really gave it a, a whole new life. But that was in August. And currently we're almost at the end of January. Right. So uh, I'm not going to say definitively that I could have envisioned myself 
being where I'm at right now, because obviously the answer is no, but I could have envisioned like, hey, if we did this story and we do it right, I could see it ending up hot, this hot. And it has. Yeah, but again, it was still exceeded my expectations and I still didn't think it would actually happen. Mm -hmm. So a lot, a lot has gone on. But if you told me, could you have thought of a clever story with Roman that would end up with you, you know, really as, as a hot baby face? I would have actually said, yeah, because I kind of had an idea of something like that, but a year and a half ago. Again, I just didn't think it would actually happen. And by the way, most fun you've ever had in your career right now? Um, yeah, I'd say it's in the last few years, really. I would say it's like post-pandemic, coming back from the pandemic. Uh, since from then on, it's been uh, a lot of fun because I had a lot of fun doing the conspiracy stuff mm. in the Thunderdome. Um, and then the stuff with Knoxville was really, really fun. And then this, it's all been, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I think what separates this from those first two things, especially, is the, uh, the level of engagement from the audience. That is on a whole different level because I'm rubbed up against the top act in the company top act in the business really so when you start getting mixed in with that where fans are just preconditioned to give a hundred percent of their emotion anytime that guy's on the screen it's just nice to have that level of engagement mm. i said this in a different interview but um my entire career i have treated anything i'm doing like it's the most important thing on the show and now's the first time that it's actually true <laughs> 20 years in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're giving me the energy that matches the amount of input and whatever that I'm putting in. It's like reciprocal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's a sweet feeling. That's very nice. Obviously, there was a big part of the storyline where like some of the members didn't want you in. And you, I know that's on TV, but was there any part of you that felt like you had to earn their trust just to be a part of it? Is that the kind of relationship you have with them? Or did you already have this great relationship and, you know, I'm making something out of it no. you know, based off of what we saw on TV. I mean, if I'm being uh, brutally honest yeah. here, uh, maybe Heyman is the one I felt like I had to convince. Interesting. Why is that? Well, because he's, I think he's old school and Roman's his guy and Brock was his guy and he, the top, he is very familiar with the top of the card. Mm -hmm. And for him to be able to buy into me being a part of the act that's at the top of the card... I didn't want him to like, you know, I don't want him to be one of those guys that's like grabbing Roman and going like, look, can't work with him. He just did this stuff with Knoxville or right, whatever. Right. So like, I know Roman knows I'm, I'm pretty good. That's why he said what he said in that interview right. with you. I know the Usos think I'm pretty good. And I think they're, all these guys are great. There's like a mutual respect. They were peers mm -hmm. with Heyman. It's a bit more like, you know, he's more strategic about things, things that I wouldn't think of. Or he looks at the business in different way, in ways that sometimes I wouldn't look at. You know what I mean? So if there was anyone that I thought wouldn't be on board, that I would have to like get convinced, I thought maybe it would be Heyman. Do you feel that still? Not as far as convincing, but as far as like him viewing things differently for me, sure. You think you've won him over? Uh, I, I think I've won the fans over which is what he cares about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it seems like everyone believes right now that Cody is the front runner to win the Rumble. And this is no fault of his own, but I feel like we're entering a territory where the fans are going to be very upset if you don't win the Rumble. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know that. I don't know that in the fans' minds, maybe me and you are looking at it at a certain point, a certain way, because we're kind of like diehards, you know? 
but I think there's a lot of casual fans who are just kind of along for the ride. And I don't think the fans are kind of where they were five, six years ago, where they kind of would like revolt. And we're like, no, Daniel Bryan's the guy. Mm. You're trying to give us Batista. No, yeah. we'll farce you. Yeah. We'll farce you. Yes, <laughs> you know, yes, like, yes, yes. I don't feel that level of like, I don't know, borderline contempt from the audience towards like okay. the creative direction. I think because the story's been so interesting, there's a little bit of trust in that it'll go where it goes and it'll still be fine. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are pulling for me. That's great. It's nice to be that guy. Um, but I don't think it's at a place where like Daniel Bryan was, I believe in 2014, where it's like anybody but him is going to be a disaster. Mm. And actually it was. Right. <laughs> so they yeah. had to fix it. They had to play cleanup. Uh, so I don't think that it's necessarily the same. Is there a possibility of like, whether it's Cody, whether it's anybody, if it's not done right, if it's done right, you can do almost anything. You know, it has to be done well and has to be done just right. If it's not done right, could there be some kind of backlash to, man, the story made the most sense. He was the guy the fans liked. Everything was right there, but they went this way. And if they don't do it right, there is the possibility of contempt towards whoever that person is, whether it's Cody, whether it's anybody, it could be anybody. If it's not done right, it could kind of hurt that person. But, you know, we work with a lot of people who know how to do things right. So if I'm not the guy... And I genuinely, as of this exact conversation, mm-hmm. one day before the Royal Rumble, I have no idea what the plan is. I have nothing. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it just doesn't feel that way. As an out, as like I don't know. I try to listen to the fans. I try not to pay too much stock in the online kind of thing. But I'm sure there's a good percentage. Of, like again, if you follow nothing else but the storyline. The storyline, it's a layup that I would be mm-hmm. in that conversation. What actually ends up happening is, again, it's not my control. Can Sami Zayn be the face of WWE? Could you be the guy holding the belt? Number one, all the media, all the, 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 the stuff that, they, you know, that the champ has to do. Can you be that guy? <sighs> if I'm being honest, like, I don't know about the face. Like, I could, I could win the world title. I could carry it for a while. I could go do talk shows. I could do, you know, I could do all that stuff. I don't know if I'm the guy that you could necessarily hitch your wagon to for the next uh, five, ten years and, like, face of the company for the next five, ten years, just if nothing else, because I'm somewhat realistic about my physical, you know, like, I'm not as big as, say, Roman or Cena or Brock or whoever, and that's typically the guy who's at the head of that scene because they want a certain projection uh I think for the long haul, could I win the world title? Could I, I think, especially because of the way the story is done, as I said a moment ago, if you do anything right, fans will buy it and they'll get into it. So I think at this point, the way things are built, and I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but sure. if it was me and Roman at, at WrestleMania and I beat Roman and we did it right the way we've been doing it right the last nine months, no one's going to go bogus. I'm out. Right. I can't take that. You know, like, cause we've done it right. Right. And I think I could be a guy who could carry that title six months, go on Jimmy Fallon, Make a couple of jokes, have him do his like fake laugh that he does and all that good stuff. And sure, I could do that. Sure. Probably do it in my sleep, to be honest. <laughs> but like, it's just, uh, I understand the company's projection of what they see as the like face of the company. Not being the champion, the champion and the face are almost two different things. And I feel like I could be the champion, no problem. As far as being the guy that they like, number one, he's our guy, he's the poster boy, he's the ultimate representation of what our company is. 
I know physically I don't fit that mold. So I don't know if that's me like uh, being self-deprecating or no. what it is, but, but I'm, actually, somewhat, I'm a realist when it comes to that. I think that's why a lot of people relate to you and like you is because when you do interviews, when you're on camera, like you don't, it seems like you're the same guy. Obviously what's on cameras may be magnified, but you are self-deprecating. You are to a degree, like I, I was wondering about this. I, I was listening to an old interview with you and uh, Chris Jericho back in 2016, Talk is Jericho. Oh, yeah. And you were talking about like how when you first got to the company, you were like trying to be everyone's best friend. You're like, hey, what's going on? And then you had to learn a lesson when you got injured and went away. Like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be so comfortable with everyone. Maybe I shouldn't be so forward with everyone. I don't know if you remember saying this. Uh, well, it's almost it's two different sentiments. Okay. So there's the sentiment A, uh, which was, hey, let's all be friends, whatever, this is all a good time. But like, uh, you're doing business mm -hmm. and there's like a lot of politics and ego and stuff at play. So it's not quite like it was on the independence where we're all buddies and, oh, I got this great idea. What if we didn't? Oh, no, that's garbage. No, wait. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that was a bit more okay when you're all just buddies. Right. And to me, and it's so funny because actually it's like, this, when I really think about it, it's, it's like, it's been a recurring theme throughout my career of um of maybe me mis <laughs> maybe me misinterpreting the relationship or what this all is <laughs> but to me we're all just friends making music here you know what i mean and i just want to make the best song and like whatever and sometimes i forget that there's like ego or look to, i'm not saying i'm completely blameless sometimes I'm, I'm sure i lack diplomacy and you know i might completely just I'm following a thought and somebody's talking, I just talk over, I 100% have done that right. many times and that's on me, that's fine. But I'm saying generally when I'm approaching things, I sometimes don't look at it like, well, he's here on the card and I'm here on the card and he's there and who, what is the situation at play here? What are the dynamics at play? I'm just, I'm trying to call a match here. I'm trying to call the best match I can call. I'm trying to tell the best story we can tell. So there've been times when uh, that's rubbed people the wrong way. And I'm sure, again, I'm not absolving myself of any, uh, you know, blame or whatever. I'm sure part of it was me putting my foot in my mouth. You're very passionate, right? You're very intense. Yeah, but I don't view that. I, I think there's a, like, you can't use that as a cop-out either. And be no, like, I know. I'm just passionate, and that's why I can talk to you sure. like garbage or whatever. I'm just wondering if backstage these days you feel more confident in your ability to say, this is the way it should be, This, you know, because of what you... Yeah, it depends with who. Who, okay. And if I'm being totally honest, again, this is one of those things I yeah. don't like to pull the curtain too back on, but, it's like, okay. I've been around the top a lot, but now I'm in the mix of the tippy top. Yeah. And it is a different political game up at the tippy top. Okay. And I'm finding that out all over again. It's like <laughs> I just got called up to the main roster and I'm putting my foot in my mouth all over again, you know, and uh, whatever, man, it's fine. You know, I don't know. I don't know. So I said this in a different, I think I said this in the Stone Cold interview um, about the Johnny Knoxville thing. We're like, yeah, this could handcuff me, but like, man, you know what? I'd rather just do something good and do it well. If I get in some trouble or I get like, perceived a certain way or I have heat or whatever like I don't want it but if it's gonna happen fine like whatever you know sorry to curse no, <laughs> so whatever if it happens whatever as long as we do it as good as it's possibly gonna be done and it's worked sometimes to my detriment and it's worked sometimes to my favor but ultimately I'm doing okay you know right now I'm doing okay so on the one hand I have to kind of trust the instincts that have got me this far on the other hand I have to be somewhat cognizant of the things that have handcuffed, not handcuffed me, but have worked against me at times in my career as well. And the funny thing is they're the same thing.
It's this like sort of unbridled passion or unfiltered delivery or whatever. Um, I think it's part of the thing, even with fans, like you're saying, you have a, you can tell as we're talking, I'm not putting on a character mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to like think of the best answer. I'm just talking to you now. And I think people sense that. So that works for me, but that can also work against you. And it's done both for me. But overall, whatever, man. You know, it's all good. It is all good. It's all good. Uh, and it's been a great past six, seven months for you. Last six, seven months, do they turn out this way if Triple H isn't head of creative? I don't know. What do you think? I think probably not. Yeah, because I don't know. I can't say because I genuinely do not know. But I know... Before Triple H was on creative, I never got on screen with Roman. Hmm. And then when Triple H did get, I finally did get on screen with Roman. Whether that's a coincidence, because like I said, the first time I finally did get on screen with Roman that took the story to the next level, happened to be a lot of stars lining up, you know, the Usos weren't there, Heyman wasn't there, it was in Montreal, all these things. Would that have happened if Hunter wasn't in charge? I, I don't know. All I know is I can definitely point to the time he wasn't in charge, and say I was kept away from being on screen with Roman. And then once he was in charge, all of a sudden I am on screen and it's allowed to breathe and see where it goes. Because if I do get on screen with Roman and we start doing stuff with the Usos and all that and it's not really working, then okay, then you go somewhere else. But because it, got, it started to work, it got room to breathe. And as it breathed, it, it grew, mm. you know? So whether that uh, would have happened without him, I don't know, but probably not. Uh, Royal Rumble's great. Mania's great. The one I have circled on the calendar is Elimination Chamber. Me too. Centre Belle. There's yeah, nothing bigger yeah. than that. Back yeah. in Montreal, pay-per-view. It's been ages. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like the stars are aligning for you here. Could you put out into the ether, like, what's the ideal scenario for you? I can't even imagine what the pop is going to be like because you and Kevin are so involved right now. Right. It feels like they're coming back because you are so involved. Like, you guys brought them back, which is an incredible testament to both what, of you. What, to Montreal, you're saying? Yeah. Is like, that right? You think that? feels like it. I mean... Who's going to Montreal in February? No one wants right. to go to Montreal in February, you know? Um, but so this is great. And it feels like it's always very special when the town is a part of the story. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. With all due respect to San Antonio, there's no real ties, right? But You, you get this because you're a Montrealer. Thank I you. try to explain it to other people. But me or Kevin in our hometown is not like anybody else in any other hometown. And it's a hard thing to articulate or explain why. But it's, it's more akin to Shinsuke Nakamura in Tokyo yes. than it is to Baron Corbin in Kansas City. 1,000%. You know what I mean? Yes. It's just not, it's apples and oranges. And to exactly what you said, the, the fact that it's in Montreal, the, the city is the story. Is this, is, yes. And the, the, when does that really, happen? I just got goosebumps. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so cool. I can't wait. Uh, so what's the perfect scenario? Can you draw it up? I don't, you know, so actually I was thinking this, I was driving to this interview. And I was thinking about a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now, like, man, the Rumble's tomorrow. Could you imagine? What if? What do we do? What's going to happen? Because I genuinely don't know at this point. Um, but I was thinking, man, could you imagine it was me and Roman and Mania? Is there anything bigger than that? And then, like, I don't know, not, not getting excited, but trying to almost curtail that excitement. I go, okay, look, even if it doesn't happen, you know what's as good as all of that? Telling the story that we've told for the last nine months and doing whatever it is I'm going to do in Montreal, because even that could change, so I don't really right. know, is about as good to me as just having like 
winning the Royal Rumble and wrestling Roman Reigns for the world title at WrestleMania, that as a standalone thing, let's say we ignore all the stuff we've done before. Let's say this year was just an open rumble, no storyline. Sami Zayn randomly wins, wrestles Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. What I've done now in my eyes is almost arguably better to have had this program that fans have loved for almost a year and then to be in this position at this time. I mean, it's a, if I had to choose one or the other, I, it's kind of like a coin toss to me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Of course, your debut was incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, having Brett introduce you, you know, bring you out there for the first time in Montreal of all places. Crazy, the shoulder story that you've talked about injury, right. but it just speaks to how excited you were. Um, and I know you've talked very, you know, um, you speak very highly of him. He means a lot. Do you ever hear from him while you're doing this incredible stuff? Not Do you have really. any kind of, no? Uh, that's on me. I've been meaning to text him for about three, four years. Three, four years? Yeah. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Just, uh, you have his phone number and you don't use it? Somebody gave me his phone number uh, and I, I thought to myself, you know, I just want to text him and just let him know how much he means or meant to me. And not only me, but our entire generation of workers. Uh, but now, like, everyone at AEW is constantly talking about Brett, and I'm like, okay, so at least he knows. <laughs> you know what I mean? He doesn't need to hear it from me, but he knows. He knows, like, we all love him. I'd still like to just tell him one day how much he meant to me and what a huge fan I was, but I you really should. Do it. I really you should. Do what it. am I doing? Life is too short. Yeah, and you're f- finding that out more and more yes. lately, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I absolutely should. I'm just not a big texter. You're not a big texter a lie I kind of do text but do, like yeah. I kind of don't reach out to people either let's end on this on a positive note yeah at the beginning of the interview I asked you you know past year could you have ever imagined things working out and you kind of said yes but what about 20 years ago like you know the young kid from Montreal uh, I believe and you know I, I heard the story about uh, it was uh, like a radio show that got you uh, to go train in someone's backyard oh, yeah, on yeah. a on a mat you could have never imagined this, right? Like this was this no. e- this was the impossible dream. This was like, oh, that would be cool, but it's not going to end up here. Exactly. Right? What yeah. was the actual like realistic goal? None. Just, <laughs> just wanted to get in the ring. Really? Yeah. Like I don't know, man. Um, it's this really strange balance or like duality, and they're kind of conflicting. Because on the one hand, I think to myself, man, I never could have envisioned this, and on the other, I'm like, yeah, I kind of could. Like, I'm really good, you know? Um, so, like, both are kind of at play. For sure, uh, you know, like, WWE was always the ultimate goal. And you remember what it was like back then. It just wasn't, even when I was trying to explain to my wife, when I got signed, what a huge deal it was, because it wasn't, like, even three, four years after I got signed, where they were just signing everyone on the independents. Like, getting signed, it was just, it was, it was, it just didn't, it seemed like it would ever happen. To answer your question, 20 years ago, couldn't have envisioned it, no. But, you know, with each passing step, it just made more sense. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I'll leave you with this because I just thought of it recently. But um, uh, when I was probably eight months in, and I'm working my way in Quebec, uh, a fan who's actually a great friend of mine, I've been friends with him 20 years, James McGee, shout out. So he had like a little wrestling uh, website that he started on like Angel Fire or something. Mm-hmm. And he got me on MSN Messenger. You're from Montreal. Yeah, you remember yeah. that stuff. And he was asking me, hey, will you do an interview for my website? And I did. And he goes, one of the questions on there is like, if you could ask anybody anything, anybody in wrestling anything, what would it be? This was 20 years ago. And I said, I would ask Vince McMahon to pay me a lot of money to wrestle for a very long time. That's exactly what ended up happening. 
and it's pretty crazy. Wow. Right? Like, I couldn't have imagined that that yes. would actually happen. That gave me goosebumps. Oh, That's an amazing there thing. There you go. Isn't that wild? Amazing. Amazing. Thank you, buddy. This has Good been chat, so man. much fun, really. Yeah, I've been waiting another, to do this. How long has it been? I know. They're trying to wrap me. Yeah, we've got another We've talked about the yeah. Montreal, the Forum Day. I mean, so much. Screwjob, were you there? I was there. I was there, too. My first wrestling show ever. First, really? Where were you sitting? I was pretty high up. 434. Wow. Okay. Worst seats in the house. I don't think I was Back that bad. Back corner. <laughs> not the worst seats. One row and then the wall. Really? Yep. You were upset. Watching through binoculars. Remember that? Yes, of course. They didn't even have big screens back then. That's right. These kids today. Watch the Royal Rumble this Saturday on BT Sport Box Office. Will he win? We'll find out. See you next time. Genuinely don't know.